episode two of the Atlanta Man podcast. I am your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the Atlanta Hawks and how they locked up the number five seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs and the Atlanta Braves and how they continue to be one of the more weird and inconsistent teams in baseball. And they had some pretty interesting managerial decisions this week, too. But we're not going to start with them. We'll start with the Hawks, who did lock up a playoff spot for the first time since the 2016-2017 season. And will face the New York Knicks in the first round as the five seed. But first, we're going to run through their game results of the week real quick. They started the week off on Monday against the Washington Wizards, where they did win 125-124. to The Hawks trailed at the half. They have a huge third quarter. They led by as many as 19 in the fourth quarter. And the Wizards do make a little comeback, cut the lead down to as little as one, but the Hawks hang on to win. The Wizards did have no Bradley Beal in this game, so that was a huge help for the Hawks because Bradley Beal is quite good. And also, congrats to Russell Westbrook, who broke the all-time triple-double record in this game, which was really cool to see. Russ has been great this year. Average another triple-double, and I'm actually happy that the Wizards did grab a play-in spot because it's going to be fun to watch Westbrook, and hopefully Bradley Beal will be back for the play-in game. And we turn around and play the Wizards again on Wednesday night. No Bradley Beal again for the Wizards. So again, Hawks big favorites in this game with no Beal for the Wizards. The Hawks have to rally late to end up winning this game. They do win 120-116. to 116. They had to outscore the Wizards 35-27. to 27 in the fourth quarter but they do that big three from John Collins towards the end of the game and the Hawks win it and this was the game that clinched the playoff berth for the Hawks this clinched us a regular playoff spot which is a top six seed kept us out of the play-in tournament guaranteed that so yeah the Hawks were guaranteed a best of seven series with that win on Wednesday night but there were still questions on the seeding, so the Hawks still had something to play for as they were trying to go for the four seed as they go and take on the Orlando Magic on Thursday night at home. And the Hawks don't play a very good game at all in this game, but they still blow out the Magic because the Magic are bad at basketball. They're not good. Hawks win 116-93. to Bogdan goes for 27. He goes 4-7 from three-point land. Not important. They suck. And we turn around and we face the Houston Rockets, who are also bad at basketball. And the Hawks end up having nothing to play for in this game because the Knicks win earlier in the day against the Celtics. Got them the four seed and locked the Hawks in on the fifth seed in the East. So, yeah, a lot of dudes sitting for the Hawks in this game. Trey Young actually does play only 16 minutes. But that's not what's important because the rookies really dominated in this game. And Yeka Kangu has a career game for his first year. He goes for 21 points and 15 rebounds. Both are career highs for him. Skylar Mays goes for 16 points and 7 assists. And Nathan Knight goes for 13 points and 10 rebounds as the Hawks cruise to a 124-95 to win to end what was a good regular season for the Atlanta basketball club as they go 41 and 31 on the season and in my opinion they exceeded expectations of what they're supposed to do this year everyone thought the Hawks were going to be pretty good I don't think anyone thought the Hawks were going to be 10 games over 500 good 
I don't think many people thought the Hawks were going to get a top five seed, probably. People thought the Hawks were going to be like, oh, yeah, seven, eight seed, maybe. But, yeah, they have a really good regular season, and it's especially impressive when how of considering how bad they were doing before Nate McMillan took over a couple months back. So, yeah, when when the Hawks fired Lloyd Pierce, it wasn't like they were going to be a playoff team. And McMillan takes over, and now they're 41-31 and 31 to finish the season. They're the five seed. So, yeah, we'll take that every day of the week. But now let's talk about the upcoming playoff series. I will start this weekend against the New York Knicks. Um, we'll start with the Hawks and how they did against the Knicks in the regular season, which was not good. They went 0-3 versus the Knicks in the regular season. And there was a common denominator in all three games. And it was Julius Randle just absolutely dominating the Hawks. Which I will get into those numbers now. In the first game, the Hawks lost 113-108. to 108, And this is probably Randle's most tame scoring game. And most tame performance altogether. And he still went for 28 points, 17 rebounds, and 9 assists. On 11 of 19 shooting. So, yeah, that's his most um, cooled-off game, and he almost had a triple-double. So that, that tells you what he did in these next two games. Hawks lost the second game, 123-112, to 112, and Randall goes for 44 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists on 14 of 22 shooting. So, yeah, another huge game, broke 40, and he'll do it again the next time they play the Hawks as they lose 137-127 to 127 in overtime. Randall goes for 40 points. 11 rebounds, 6 assists, 11 of 21 shooting. And that'll put his season averages against the Hawks at 37.3 points, 12.3 rebounds, and 6.6 assists on 58% shooting. I will tell you right now, if Julius Randle does that in this series, the Hawks are not going to win. So the Hawks are going to have to contain Randle as he has had their number in the three games that they played this season. But I'm pretty confident that the Hawks are not going to let that happen again with Randall. And I'm just going to talk about the Knicks in general for the, for a second here. Because if I have some more casual NBA viewers that are listening and still think that the Knicks are just still a trash team like they were in the recent years, I'm going to tell you right now, the Knicks are not that anymore. They have quickly turned things around this year, kind of similar to the Hawks. Um, probably not ha- as high of expectations as the Hawks had coming into the season, but the Knicks were good. They finished with the same record as the Hawks, 41 and 31. And yeah, they're not the Knicks of yesteryear. Julius Randle has broken out this year. He was there last year and it was, he was okay. Julius Randle's always been a solid player, but he has became an all-star level player this year. As I, as you can tell by reading some of his numbers against the Hawks, it's not just the Hawks. He's been great against everybody this year. He's had a great season. He got Emmanuel quickly, the rookie point guard. That's been awesome for them. And R.J. Barrett has taken a pretty big step up too. So, yeah, the Knicks can play. The Knicks are good, and they've beaten the Hawks three times out of three tries this year. So, yeah, the Hawks probably aren't going to be favored in this series considering that they did get smoked all three games pretty much against the Knicks. And Julius Randle was just a bucket in all three games. So, yeah, that's pretty much going to do it for all of the Hawks talk in the playoffs. Um, we'll have more to talk about throughout the week, just some more preview stuff coming up with the Hawks as they will play the Knicks this weekend. Don't know um, what day they officially play the Knicks on. I know the playoffs start on Saturday, so I'm pretty sure they'll be planning on Saturday. 
but with no official times yet for that series. And now we will move on to some Atlanta Braves talk as the Braves had a pretty interesting week this week as they played the Blue Jays and the Brewers, but they do start off against the Toronto Blue Jays with three games at home. And we will start out with game one. The Braves do strike first in the first inning with an Ozzy Albee single. Ronald Acuna then homers in the third to make it two to nothing. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who has just been going crazy this year, hits a two-run homer to tie the game. Marcelo Zuna, though, immediately goes deep in the bottom half of the inning, takes a selfie, it's three to two, and that's when the Braves will lead. Going into the eighth inning, as A.J. Minter comes into the game, and he has a bad, bad outing, lets a bunch of men on, makes a bad play in the field, and then Jacob Webb will try to clean up the mess, but oh my God, Jacob Webb doesn't cover first base, on a play to on a ball to Freddie Freeman, second time in a week of him not covering a base, just a comedy of errors for the Braves in the eighth inning, as they let three runs come across and they end up losing five to three. Bryce Wilson did get the start in this game. He pitched pretty well. He had six innings pitched, just two earned runs, five Ks, and no walks. Just a dumb, dumb loss overall for the Braves. And now we will move on to game two of the series. No action through the first four innings, but in the bottom of the fifth, Bill Contreras, young William, hits a long solo homer that gives the Braves a one to nothing lead. But unfortunately, that'd be all the Braves would get in this game, and the Blue Jays would score four runs after this, led by Teoscar Hernandez, who hit two homers in this game and for some reason in the top of the ninth Braves only down two to one Josh Tomlin is pitching yeah that's when Teoscar hit another one of his homers Braves lose four to one Max Fried has another good start in his second start back he goes six innings pitch just one earned run two hits did walk three had four k's Hanjin Ryu had a really good start for the Blue Jays, and Chris Martin returns in the bullpen, so not all bad news for the Braves as we'll move on to Game 3. And things got hot early as Ronald Acuna hits a leadoff homer in this game to give the Braves a one to nothing lead. They get another run in the first, make it 2 to nothing. The Jays do end up going up 3-2 to two in this game, but Dansby hits a two-run homer in the sixth inning to make it 4-3. to three. But then here comes the bullpen, ready to implode again. A.J. Minter gives up one run to tie the game in the eighth, and then Will Smith completely melts down in the ninth, gives up four earned runs, only gives up only gets one out in the inning, and the Braves will lose 8-4 to four in this one and get swept again by the Toronto Blue Jays. Charlie Morton was not very good again in this game. He goes 4.2 innings, 3 earned runs, 2 walks, and 4 Ks. But that was not the only bad news in this game as two injuries for the Braves happened. Christian Pache hurts his hamstring right in the first base. He ends up going on the 10-day I.L. And Ronald Acuna, trying to beat out an infield hit, tweaks his knee 
as he just lands really funny coming off of the base. He does not hit the IL, but he does go on to miss the next series against Milwaukee. The only good news for the Braves in this series was that they do not have to play the Blue Jays, and again, unless the Braves make the World Series and play the Blue Jays, which I think we will all take in that scenario. But we move on to Milwaukee as the Braves look to bounce back after getting swept by the Baby Jays. They fell behind one to nothing early, but young, thick Austin Riley with a two-run single off the pitcher's leg makes it two to one. Ozuna and Albies go back to back, yickities off of the scoreboard. Tomlin can't finish in the ninth again in this game, even with the Braves having a big lead. That's pretty important for later. Will Smith has to come on and sweep up the game, get the save. Braves win 6-3. to three. Drew Smiley, another good start. Six innings pitched, only one earned run, one walk, and four punchies for Drew Smiley. We move on to game two, where Ozzie Albies gets the game started with a bang, drives in two in the first with a double. Freddie Freeman then hits his 250th career homer. Bill Contreras goes deep again for some insurance. And young Ian Anderson has a no-no through six innings, gets broken up, but still has a great outing. Six innings pitch, just two hits, one earned run. Did walk four, but he got four punchies to make up for it. And Guillermo Heredia returned off the I.L. for the Braves. Now, we move on to Sunday, which was a doozy for the series finale as the Braves look to go for the sweep. It's Huascar Enoa going for the Braves and Freddie Peralta going for the Brewers. Two guys were having excellent starts to their year, but one guy had it and one guy didn't, and unfortunately, Enoa did not have it for the Braves. They end up getting down 8 to nothing in this game as Enoa only goes 4 and a third, gives them 9 hits, Five earned runs, two walks, and six Ks for Enoa. And then Jesse Biddle comes in. He gives up three more runs. At one point, gives up 13 consecutive balls. Did throw a strike for 13 straight pitches. But Snit just left him out there. More on that later. Then we move on to the seventh after Biddle and Huascar give up eight. In the top of the seventh, the Braves score seven runs back in the ballgame. Freddie hits a grand slam. It's eight to seven. Then Brian Snitker does some managing, and he brings in Josh Tomlin in a one-run game. He comes in, walks the first batter, gives up a hit, only records one out. Then Sean Newcomb comes in. Can he save us? He cannot. Both runs score. Braves are now down ten to seven. The Braves get one more in the eighth, and they had Ronald Acuna pinch hitting with runners on second and third, one out. Oh, my goodness, it's about to happen. One swing, he could put the Braves up, but he strikes out. Devin Williams was pitching, threw him a nasty change after strike him out. He goes down, then Adrianza strikes out to, to Devin Williams. That will end the eighth. The Braves do get one in the ninth off of Hayter. But that's all they will get, and the Braves do drop the game 10-9. to Austin Riley and Freddie had great at-bats against Hayter in the ninth, but they couldn't get anything going, as, and the Braves do drop this one 10-9. Now we will talk about the bullpen decisions in this game, which were um, very snit-like. 
he puts in Josh Tomlin after the Braves score seven runs in the inning and puts the put and puts them back in the game. And just putting Tomlin in this situation when the only only reliever you had used prior was Jesse Biddle. So you you didn't have everybody available to use because some some guys were unavailable. Will Smith pitched the first two games of this series. But yeah, like I mean, dude, you gotta you gotta put in a high leverage guy after your offense goes out and gives you seven runs in the prior inning. Like you can't just let that you can't when you come back in a game like this, you cannot let them tack on any more runs, and that's exactly what the Braves did in this game. I'm not saying that the Braves were going to win this game, even if they like put in like say Chris Martin or something, or Luke, even Luke Jackson should have been. In, he ended up pitching in the eighth. He had a one, two, three inning. Put Luke Jackson in this situation, and then figure out the eighth when you get there. Josh Tomlin is not the answer. He has been very bad in this season, and I'm going to tell you some of his numbers of late of what he's been doing. It's not been good. So in Josh Tomlin, who started off the season pretty solidly, I'll say that, but over his last five games, he has six and a third innings pitched and has given up nine earned runs and has walked three batters, given up four homers too. So that's a – that is a – 12.79 ERA over the last five appearances for Tomlin. Yeah, he has not been good. His overall numbers on the season are not good either. He has a 6.86 ERA this year. And, yeah, he's, he's not a high-leverage guy. He is a innings eater in a blowout game, which this was a blowout game, and he was up and warming in Snit's defense. But that's just not an excuse to have him pitch in a one-run game after your offense score seven to make it a one-run game. It's just a slap in the face to the offense. And that's just not that's not the only bad decision he made in this game. He left Huascari Noah shouldn't have came in to pitch the fifth inning. He gave up two more runs in the fifth on a home run. And in the prior bottom of the fourth he was his pitcher spot was up and we could have pinch hit for him with runners on base, but we kept him in just to pitch in the fifth and only get one out and give up two more runs. He also left in Jesse Biddle way too long. Like I said, Jesse Biddle threw 13 straight balls, and he just left him out there to die. And they ended up giving eight runs together, Enoa and Biddle. But, yeah, just a pretty frustrating game all around, considering that the Braves' offense did come back to make it a game. But Brian Snicker just, I don't want to say didn't give him a chance, but just didn't even put out the best possible dudes in the biggest spots in this game. It's just pretty annoying, and he got called out for it in his post-game presser, and he didn't seem thrilled to answer the question about it. So, yeah, just not good stuff. And this is the second time this week that he used Josh Tomlin in a one-run game. He just has a thing where he only likes to use his good relievers when the game is either tied or the Braves are winning. When the Braves are even down a run, he just kind of tries to save, save his best guys for when they're ahead to protect the lead. But even though being down only one run is still a high leverage situation in which you need to use your high leverage guys. And that's just not what Snit has done historically in his entire career as a manager with the Braves. So it's not any groundbreaking stuff of him doing this, but yeah, it's still annoying nonetheless. But yeah, that's going to do it for all the game action this week. We did have some news for the Braves too. First off, Tyler Flowers retired. Tyler Flowers retires. That's kind of uh, hard to say. But, yeah, Tyler Flowers retires this week. 
after he suffered another back injury that he had struggled with in the past. So yeah, Flowers, who the Braves signed a couple weeks back, um, he ends up retiring due to health issues with his back. And in response to that, the Braves signed Jonathan Lucroy to a minor league deal, so that'll give them more catching depth for the season. They might end up bringing up Lucroy in favor of Jeff Mathis because Lucroy is a significantly better hitter than Jeff Mathis. And also, Mike Soroka has a setback with his Achilles as he will undergo undergo exploratory surgery on his Achilles, which is not a good sign. There's not really a timetable on how far this will push him back, but not good news nonetheless. He is not out for the season, but I, I think we're getting to the point where you can't really expect anything out of Mike Soroka this year. It's just been too many setbacks. It's almost June, and yeah, Soroka just doesn't look like he's anywhere close to coming back, even after having the shoulder issues and now having more problems with his Achilles. So that'll do it for all the news stuff with the Braves happening this week. And the last thing I want to touch on with the Braves is something positive, and it's Austin Riley and how good he has been this year. And not really overall this year. He started off pretty bad. But I want to pinpoint to one, one particular at-bat that happened a few weeks ago against the Yankees. It was the it was the Braves, the first game of the two-game set against the Yankees, and Aroldis Chapman was in the pitch to close out the game. He was facing Austin Riley with two outs. And this is like the height of Riley being bad. And... Like I, I remember watching this. I was rolling my eyes watching him step up to face Chapman because I just thought Chapman was about to blow him away. But no, he doesn't. Austin had a great at-bat and walked. And you might be asking, why is that important? Because from that point out, Austin Riley has been insane. Here are his numbers since that at-bat. He is batting 338, has a 452 on-base percentage, 506 slugging. That's a 958 OPS. He's 26 for 77 since that happened. Three homers. 15 walks too, and that's just awesome pace for Riley as he has been really good since that at bat against Chapman. His overall numbers on the year are really good too. He has a 405 on base and a 394 slugging, which is just the exact opposite of what you would expect from Austin Riley. He profiles as a slug first, on base second guy, but it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty bizarre of him really just flipping his entire expectations on their head and just becoming this on-base machine who just isn't slugging much. He has a career 436 slugging, which isn't great already, but 394 is low for a guy like Austin Riley. Like, if you told me Austin Riley had a 394 slugging this point in the season, I would say, oh, no, because I wouldn't imagine his on-base would have been anything spectacular. But he's getting on base at a 405 clip, and he has a 799 OPS. And you take that every day of the week with Austin Riley, just, you just need him to be, if you can get Austin Riley a league average, you take it. That means he's batting 291 on the year, 114 OPS plus for him. So he's been really solid for the Braves still. And this stretch he's been on has been pretty remarkable. He's drawing walks with the best of them. I think he has the second highest on base percentage since that at Chapman at bat in all of the majors. I think only Mike Trout has a better on base percentage than Austin Riley since he had that at-bat against Rolish Chapman and the Yankees. And I'll do it on all the Austin Riley talk. Just wanted to give Young Thick some love because he's been pretty awesome this year. And he had another awesome at-bat against Josh Hader. 
in yesterday's game as he had a long at bat end up getting a single to keep the game alive so he's been doing pretty good in some high pressure packed moments too which is good to see from Riley some good development for him and I think that will do it for today's episode um, I'll be back next week and we will talk about what happened with the Braves again and what happened with the Hawks as they start their series next weekend so we'll probably be able to talk about the first two games that the Hawks played in the playoffs and be able to recap those and hopefully it'll be a happy podcast because the Braves and Hawks had a good week so I will see y'all in the next one if you made this far listening I really appreciate it thank y'all for listening and y'all have a good one